Testing. Okay, yeah, it is coming through. Testing, one, two. That seems to help the wind a lot to use the pop screen. Sorry, we're still we're testing everything, trying to make sure it all works. So we're we're gonna do a sound check real quick with just the the music, and then we'll, I don't see any reason not to start. I think that we're good. Um, Kelly, can you hear me from there? Yay. Hey guys. Um, and you, you so well. Hold on, I don't have it on my ear. So Bill, this is where I'm gonna wear it. So if, if um, is this too loud? Okay, if I get super loud, let me know. I can we can we can turn it down. There's a little bit of wind now, but I don't think it's too bad. But we have this, the the tent set over here, so in case we need to move it over here as a windshield, we can. Um, since you guys are this way, I'll probably be looking this way anyhow. I can sort of read my notes. Okay, so uh, Henrietta, we have the... Here, I'm going to set this up here. I'm going to set this up here just in case we have to move the windshield. Why 
that's what I was going to tell her. When you take it, see, go ahead and, and move over here so you're in the shot. Otherwise, people will be like, where is this lady's voice coming from? Like, her, yeah, she's... Huh? All right, I, I think it's going to work. Let me, let me just go ahead and mute this. Bill, we're going to go ahead and go through a verse and a chorus of the song. Did you want to come out and listen to it and see what you need to adjust? Okay. He can hear me in there because I ran a speaker in there. <laughs> Alright, testing, one, two, test, test, test. So this is not my... Oops, sorry. Really? Yeah, they should be in G minor, because I'm capo to the first on that song. So we'll, let, let's, let's take a look at that song, make sure that that's right. Make sure those chords are right. Okay, I don't have, um, this is not my speaking mic, so I'm gonna be singing a lot louder. Yeah, yeah, you're good. All right. Um, you want to look at Lion and the Lamb just real quick? Can you all hear my guitar? Coming through that speaker there in here? Okay. Huh? All right. Ready? He's coming on the clouds Kings and kingdoms will bow down And every chain will break As broken hearts declare His praise Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, oh He's roaring with power and fighting our battles And every knee will bow before Him Our God is a Lamb, the Lamb that was slain For the sin of the world, His blood breaks the chain And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. How's that sound? Good? Awesome. Well, yeah, I, 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 we, we, we spent a lot of time here yesterday trying to figure it out. <laughs> okay, awesome. So before we get into this, I'm going to go ahead and make just a couple announcements that the people online don't need to hear. And one is that we have the, the coins that Danny Hubble sent that I mentioned a couple weeks back that I kept forgetting to actually mail to people. And I actually haven't looked at them yet, but uh, I trust Danny. And uh, he, was, he, he, it's, he was just wanting to, it, as a reminder for people during this time, that if they see the coin, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. God will get us through this, you know. So um, those are over there. Um, and I guess there's no way, unless, unless you email me or text me or something to let me know that you've got yours, there's no way to know. I mean, so you might get another one in the mail if I, if I, have, your, if I have your address um, in my directory. So, uh, And then the other... 
there was another announcement. Um, what was it? It was something fairly important. Uh, they steal that part of your brain? <laughs> I don't receive that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I told one of my bosses one time, because she was an older lady, I said, I said hey, you know, age is just an indicator. She said, an indicator of what? And that's just... <laughs> Anyways, all right, so uh, I guess that's it. Um, so I guess, Henrietta, do you want to bring us into prayer? Is there anything that you can think of, hun, that we need to say before we start? Okay. I'm sorry I started this a little late. I was trying to get all this all this gear together. Sammy wants prayer for his leg. He says sometimes he has random spasms and pain. Um, let's go ahead and pray for that now before we start the video and everything. Father, we lift up Samuel to you and we ask, Lord, that you touch his leg. I ask, Father God, that you set everything right um, with his nerves and his, that are connected uh through his leg, Father, that there be no more shootings and pain. I understand that some of that might be grow, growing pains, but we do ask, Lord, that anything there that is not of you, of your design, we ask that be removed in Jesus' name, and we all agree. Amen. Amen. All right. Any, any, we have any other personal prayer requests before we start? We good? I know that y'all can think of something, but that's okay. You can think of something later. You know. All right. Hey, Reddit, uh, is it recording now? Okay, Bill, if, if, you're, if you're not recording, go ahead and hit the button now because we're going to start hitting right up. All right. Praise God. So good to see everyone this morning. You know, I'm getting so used to this. I'm not sure I want to go back inside. Well, when it hits 100, yes, we went back inside. <laughs> <laughs> but this is pretty neat. And uh, for those of you that can't join us, we just uh, ask special blessings on you because this really is. The breeze is nice. But the smiles, and I know you think that we're not wearing masks, but they really are. And I have mine on, too, just not right this minute. But uh, it is a, a blessing to be in the house of the Lord because this is the Lord's. And we just are thankful that you're here this morning. And let's just uh, start our service in prayer. Father, we just praise you and thank you for this wonderful, beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for the rain that came, and we thank you for the sunshine that we have now. We just ask special blessings on each and every one that's here, and those, Father God, that are watching in their homes. We ask special blessings on them, Father. We thank you for keeping us all safe and in your care. We ask for now just a, a time of rejoicing and refreshing, Father. In your spirit, we feel your presence so mightily this morning, and we thank you for it now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break As broken hearts declare His praise Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh, 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 oh,
tell you to tell you all you can stand or sit or worship God however is comfortable for you. Don't forget, don't feel like you have to wait for me to tell you. You know, you can, you can worship God at any time. Praise God. <laughs> He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare His praise. Who could stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah is roaring with power and fighting our battle, and every knee will bow before him. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chain, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, oh. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is a Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chain. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, 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 oh. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings, our God who calls us safe. Is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Stop the Lord. Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battle. And every knee will bow before him. Our God is a lamb, the lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chain, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before.
Let's go. 
freedom. You have given us freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Oh, Now I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom, no longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom, freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. reasoned in our heart, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would 
bless the offering and bless the individual. And those who can't give, Lord, we ask that you bless them. Thank you, Father. Amen. You know, Henrietta, why don't you come up and pray over that? Thank you. Didn't mean to steal your, steal your ministry time there. Praise God. It's always so wonderful to be able to give to the house of the Lord. And you know, it does take money. But the Lord is our provider. And no matter what uh, comes, He serves, we serve a mighty, mighty God. And He has given us the freedom. There's many countries right now, and even many states right now, that can't worship together. So I count this as a privilege to be here today. And we just thank you, Father, for meeting every need. Every need out there, Father God, we praise you and thank you for it. Because you are our provider. And we thank you right now for everyone that gives. Just bless them abundantly. And Father, those that just can't, but they're giving in their hearts. And they love you. We thank you that you bless and worship and and watch over them and keep them as they worship you. We thank you, Father, for this time. This wonderful time to serve a mighty, mighty God. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. as always we're just going to keep worshiping and y'all just worship along with us here rivers of living water pouring out from Papa's throne Rivers of living water pouring out from Papa's throne. Rivers of living water pouring out from Papa's throne. Rivers of living water pouring out from Papa's throne, and he's pouring them out on you. Let him wash over your head. Rivers. Rivers of living water pouring out from Papa's throne. Rivers of living water.
water pouring out from Father's throne and he's pouring them out on you let him wash over your head and he's pouring them out on you let him wash over your head oh. and he's pouring them out on you let him wash over Pouring them out. 
Above every 
salvation every nation God's salvation through the sun let it be my life's refrain to live is Christ to die is gain Deny myself, take up my cross and follow the sun. Let it be my life's refrain to live as Christ, to die as me. Deny myself, take up my cross. Is there, um, I feel in my heart like I jumped the gun on that song. Was there, some, was there a prayer or something that needed to go out that somebody had on their heart that they needed to say right before we went into that second song? Or did I just miss it? Okay, I guess I missed it. That's okay. Huh? Iris? So Iris was had a prayer in her heart that a continuing prayer. It's a I guess you could say it's an intercession for people across the nation that there are certain people who have been struggling in their heart, and that will that they will eventually that the choice will be easy for them to actually officially come and say the words that Jesus is their Lord. Is that is that that what I gathered? Okay. Was there anything else with that? Okay. Praise God. All right, um, I uh, the, I, me- I remembered what the other announcement was that I wanted to make. I'm going to try to figure out a way to have the words for you guys to the songs. Out, you know, whether we have to put it on the back of a printout or, or whatever, I'll figure out a way for you guys to have the words. So um, that's it. I'm going to go ahead and shift position here. Thank you. One, two. shall we? Father, thank you so much for your presence. And There is something different about being outside versus inside, not that it's better, it's just different. But that makes perfect sense to me because 
you are such a complicated person, Lord. And just like our relationships here in the earth are complicated with people and we're constantly learning new things about the people that we spend time with, so it is with you. And so thank you, Lord, for that diversity and that dynamic range of relationship we could have with you. Lord, I ask that you to bless this word. Um, once again, it, I believe it will fall flat without your assistance, without your grace, without your uh, ability released toward me and uh, me cooperating with that. And so, Lord, I, I, I endeavor to stay sensitive to what you are saying. And I just thank you and I praise you. And in your name I pray. Amen. Got to be careful when you close your eyes outside. You open your eyes and everything's blue. Um, go ahead and uh, turn over to the Gospel of Mark in the first chapter. Thank you, Becky. How are we all doing today? I sense some hesitation there. <laughs> So um, right, uh, right after I graduated high school, I got a job at Bourbon's Department Store. And uh, for those of you who have been further west, you may or may not have been to a Mervyn's at some point. And uh, if you haven't, I'm sorry you missed out because they are now deceased. They are now gone. Um, they have gone to the great retail graveyard. Did you have them here? All right. They were a great store, weren't they? Um, but, you know, while I was working there, I spent some time on the freight team. You know, we call it the truck team, but every store has their little terminology they use. And so I was, I was back in the back unpacking merchandise and sorting it out to go to the sales floor. And you know, there were about 12 of us, I'd say. And, you know, I, I made some friends there. A couple of them were Christians. And, and one day uh, I was on the conveyor belt, not writing it, but working on it, you know. Just, I was just sorting stuff, you know, just sorting stuff out to, to get ready to go to the floor. And the girls to my left were, were over there talking. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really listening to them. I was just kind of in work mode, just, just kind of sorting stuff. And, and uh, you know, one of them I knew was a believer, and, you know, her name was Anna. I had a lot of respect for her. She was, uh, she was about 10 years older than me, I'd say. I, you know, um, didn't, didn't ever ask, but seemed that way. And, you know, she was a widow who was continuing in her faith even though she lost her husband. And so I had a lot of respect for her walk with God, you know. And, uh, you know, some people just have that, you know, um, it's like she, you know, she, there was a peace about her, you know, everywhere she went, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, she had uh, been apparently witnessing to this other girl because suddenly they turned to me in the middle of their conversation and Anna asked, she said, Phil, can, I, can we ask you a question? And without thinking, I'm like, sure, you know, yeah. Uh, but my mind was not ready for the question they had at all, you know, so I wasn't worried at all. I think I'm going to give myself a little bookmark here because the wind is assailing me. Um, anyway, so I was not ready for this question because this was a bombshell that she dropped, you know, it was one of those faith-shaking questions. And uh, she says, she says, what is a Christian? And, you know, I'm, I'm like, I was not expecting that, and they're, they're looking at me. They were looking at me with, with genuine curiosity. You know, they, they were, like, you know, really wanting to see what I'm thinking. Why do they care what I have to say, you know? Uh, because you have to remember that, that this was years before God ever put on my heart to, to go to Bible college, you know, and I had already told him I have no interest in going into the ministry at all. And so, you know, they, has, they had this 
this question and I'm like, I'm thinking, really? I just want to fold some shirts, you know, I just, I just want to finish my day and go home, you know. And, uh, you know, but then I realized when I was thinking about this question, I realized that I really should know the answer to this. And, uh, you know, then I started, then I realized, you know, this girl asking me this should know the answer to this question. I mean, of all people, Christians should know what a Christian is, right? But, you know, I didn't have an answer. I I had nothing. And so, you know, after maybe 10 seconds of, of them staring at me, and, and, and panic is starting to set in because I just, I'm like, what in the world? You know, I don't have any answer for this question. And, and I, you know, so I did what I had trained myself to do. I began to seek God about it, you know, and I'm, I'm, I was, a, you know, just kind of spending time in, in, in the Word on my own and working it, learning how to do this on my own, you know, because churches don't really talk about that a whole lot, you know, talking about, at least my church didn't talk about seeking God. And so I start seeking God about it, you know, and just before that, I, I thought they were going to turn and walk away because, of course, there's a delay. God's kind of, you know, giving me a little bit of a delay. God spoke to my heart, and I know it was Him because He spoke so calmly, and I was not calm in that moment. And uh, you know, He spoke to my heart, and He said, "A Christian is a follower of Christ." And so I just repeated that right back: "Christian's a follower of Christ." And their eyes got a little wide, and they both said, "Oh." And I was like, and I'm thinking the same exact thing, like, wow. I mean, it was, that, was a, that was an extremely um, faith-building moment for me. But then you start to think about that. A Christian is a follower of Christ. That means it doesn't matter what church background people have. It doesn't matter what they dress, what they look like. It doesn't matter, you know, what nationality they are. It doesn't matter what race they are. If they are following Christ, if they are, if they are following what Jesus has to say, what Jesus is doing, then they are a Christian. You know, and so you can you can take all of the traditions that people have built up and you can just you could just take those and say if they're not if they're not biblical, then we can just set those aside because a Christian is simply a person who follows Christ. And uh, you know, that right there, right when I said that, that's where the conversation ended. They just they just kind of, we were all just kind of deep in thought after that, just kind of really kind of mulling this over. And, uh, you know, um, because this statement, you know, Christian who follows Christ, one who follows Jesus anywhere, someone who commits themselves to the words of Christ, you know, to his teachings, you know, Christ then to that person is the defining feature of their life. He is. And everything he stands for. And I thought to myself, am I living up to that? <laughs> Not in every area, I wasn't. And you know, we, we all, we all seek to get closer to Christ, come to the fullest of the stature of Christ in our life. And so we're constantly working on ourselves, holding ourselves accountable. And um, you know, Jesus, had, Jesus himself had a lot to say about this subject. And we're, we're, st- we're st- here in Mark 1, I'm going to start in verse 14. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, not the Amplified Classic this time, but the Amplified. It says, Now after John the Baptist was arrested and taken into custody, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and saying, The appointed period of time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And now if you have that on your 
uh, I don't actually we don't have any sheets today, but this next part is in is in brackets, and I'm, I'm going to let you know because what it's doing is is trying to try to take everything out of that word that's in the Greek that word that Greek word for repent, and it's attempting to take every little facet of meaning out of that and put it in here so they have it in brackets. Okay, so he says repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. All that is summed up in that one word, repent. And then he says, after that, repent. And then it says all that. It says, and believe with a deep abiding trust in the good news regarding salvation. Now, you know, I know that's a lot of words, but we've, we've been talking, you know, we're talking about here that repentance is more than just getting saved. It's certainly part of it, you know, but Jesus said we should change our inner self. And this is not, that's not, that's not new agey. You know, that's not, uh, we're going to change our inner self. We're going to cleanse our aura. No, no, that's all new age stuff. That, that, that is a perversion of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, change your inner self. And that's not something that happens overnight. You can't change your inner self overnight. If I actually change my inner self, if I change it from something I was to something new, Going back to the old way of life, my old manner of life is going to go against my new nature. Isn't it? Because I'm changed. I'm, I'm not who I was. I'm not that person anymore. You know, we're not talking about just a surface level change, a superficial change. We're not even talking about agreeing with Jesus about how we're supposed to live. We're talking about allowing God to change us from the inside out and then continue in that change. Personally, continue in the change. And lots of people say they want to change as a person. I mean, you'll see that everywhere. I mean, just go on social media and there's people wanting to do that. And, you know, of course, that fluctuates with the popularity of people posting pictures of themselves in their, in their workout clothes and, like, this is before, this is after, and, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know... But when the majority of people talk about changing as a person, they're not usually in agreement with God about what that change should look like. A lot of times people want God to de deliver them out of their troubles, you know, but, but they don't want to walk out the change of self that Jesus is talking about. I mean, as a minister, people in church, we see that a lot, where people talk about, they show up, they want to talk about what to change, and they might change, if they're doing it in their own strength, they might be able to stay with it for a few weeks, a few months, you know. But if they're doing it in their own strength, eventually they're going to, you know, slide back into that old way of doing things. And, uh, you know, well, we need to understand that we can't love God in slices. If I want his deliverance, I'm going to have to accept his instruction, too. If I want God's best, I'm going to have to give him my best. And so Jesus says, repent, which means change your inner self. That's the, that, and, and so when he says change your inner self, then he starts to explain what that means on the, in, on the inside of that there. Uh, what that means is first on the list, he says, change your old way of thinking. Because he says, change your inner self, and then there's a dash, and then change your old way of thinking. And the other things are all summed up in changing your inner self too. So when he says, change your inner self, then he gives you little sub-bullets about how you're supposed to go about that. So first on the list, of course, is change your old way 
of thinking. One of my teachers at Rama asked the class, he said, who here accepted Jesus when you were a teenager? And a bunch of people raised their hands. As I've told, I've, uh, some of you know this, this story, you know, but a bunch of them raised their hands. And then he asked, okay, well, now, now go ahead and put your hands down. Thank you. Who, who, now, who here accepted Jesus when you were in your 20s? And some people, a lesser number, raised their hands, you know. And he said, okay, uh, go ahead and lower your hands. And then he said, how many of you here were saved when you were in your 30s? And just a couple people raised their hands, you know, and then the teacher asked a lady with her hand up. He said, okay, you could put your hands up. He said, lady, he said, ma'am, if you, you know, if I could ask you, he said, how, how old were you when you asked Jesus into your heart? She said, I was 32. He said, 32. And then he told her, he said, for 32 years, you didn't know Jesus. And so because you didn't know Jesus, you were in the kingdom of darkness for 32 years. And he said, now you're saved and you're getting some training and that's awesome. He said, but do you think, though, that that 32 years of being in the kingdom of darkness has affected the way you think? Thirty-two years of being used to thinking a certain way, of being used to being uh, influenced by the enemy, who is the king, that's the kingdom of darkness, you know, Satan's ahead over that kingdom. That's why Jesus said, change your old way of thinking, because God doesn't think like the world thinks. You know, it's impossible to change my inner self if I think the way the world thinks. Because thoughts go before action. You know, I mean, you know, we talked about that. I, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't walk into a marketplace and walk out the other side of it holding a purse that I stole and go, how did I end up with this in my hand? At some point, I would have had to think about snatching it, right? Because thoughts go before action, always. If I think it's okay to steal, or if I say I think it's okay to steal under certain circumstances, if I think that way, then at some point, I'm probably going to end up stealing. If, if I think it's okay to take revenge, you know, then chances are when someone cusses me out, I'm probably to cuss about right back. Is that not right? If I think it's okay. But Jesus has called us out of a certain way of thinking. Called us out of it. And this is why earlier I mentioned the problem that people may want to change, but they might not want the kind of change that Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> because, you know, there are religions out there who teach the golden rule. I mean, think about this. There are religions out there, false religions, that teach the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. But they don't teach that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to be saved. And so when Jesus tells me that I need to change my own way of thinking, I'm going to have to do it if I want the life that he offers. And he's the only one that can offer life. I'm going to have to start thinking like he thinks. You know, the first and most important step, of course, is to acknowledge that I need him to save me. And see, you can, you can see how a person can acknowledge. And see, this is why this is not a one and done kind of thing. Because you can see how a person can acknowledge, okay, I need Jesus to save me. I can agree with that. But there are still other, and after they've gotten saved, you know, there are still other um, ways of thinking that they have that have not been turned over to God yet. You understand that, right? That's why this is a progressive relationship with him. And so, uh, you know, 
Romans 10.9, you know, because we, we, we mentioned salvation here. We quote it almost every week. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And in the very moment that you do that, you receive salvation. God has accepted you into his family. He has adopted you. He takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and he actually grafts you into his kingdom, which is the kingdom of light, as the word says. So the word says we are children of light and of the day. And, and praise God, you know, I've seen a lot of people do that. But like I mentioned earlier, along the way, I've seen them slip back into the old way of thinking. And from there, they slip back into their old lifestyle. How do I know they've slipped back into their old way of thinking or at least haven't changed their thinking completely or worked on their changing their thinking completely? How do I know they didn't change their thinking? I can't see their thoughts. How do I know they've done that? Because thoughts always precede action. So if I see their actions slipping away, then I know that they've either not changed the way they're thinking or they've changed their way of thinking back to the old way. Does this make sense? See, because they missed that first step that Jesus was talking about changing in changing the inner self. They missed the first step of that, changing the old way of thinking. But what we need to understand is that the moment that a person gives their heart to Jesus, at that moment they have received salvation. Okay? That is the landmark. That is the point at which they can say, here is where Jesus saved me, changed me from the inside out, and here on out is where I'm going to stay changed. From here on out, where I'm going to stay changed. But we, or continue to change more and more into the image. The word says that God changes us more and more to the image of his dear son. But we must also understand that even after that initial change, God still wants to mold us. That's why he is, he is, he is shaping us more and more to look like Jesus. So in Philippians 2.12, Paul tells us, work out your salvation with trembling and fear. That's Philippians 2.12, if you want to write that down. Some people take that out of context and say, see right there, we're saved by works because you're working out your salvation. But that's, not, but that's wrong. Because he said, work out your salvation. You already have it because you've accepted Christ. He's writing that to the church. It was given to you when you accepted Jesus. You have it, now work it out. Do something with it. Do something with your salvation. What do you do with it? Philippians said work it out. That phrase work it out in the Greek there, it means to bring it to the goal. Bring it to the goal is what that means. Now the ultimate goal of salvation is to spend eternity with God, but we're not there yet. So we work out the salvation we have while we're here in order to bring it to the goal. If I'm continuing to work it out, what I have been given, that means that I have not abandoned it. Right? So when Christ comes, I'll still have the salvation he gave me. Make sense? <laughs> Notice it doesn't say work for your salvation. It said work it out. Because if we were working for our salvation to earn salvation, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die if we could earn it. But without Jesus dying to pay for our sins, salvation wouldn't be available at all. Praise God, he's now risen from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father. And that brings us to the next item on the list that Jesus gave us. After changing the old way of thinking, Jesus said, regret past sins. We can't regret past sins unless we start to change our old way of thinking. Can't get to point two without point one. Jesus paid the penalty for all my sins, but if I don't regret my past sins, then it will be very easy for me to slip back into doing them. 
Regretting past sins means admitting that I shouldn't have done those things in the first place. And I've got many on my list, but praise God, He has forgiven me, and it's as though it never happened. It doesn't affect my salvation at all. The only, way, the only reason that I remember them is not to put myself into a position of guilt, but to put myself into a position of being able to say, I won't do that again. Because my testimony, like I, you, you, most of you have heard my testimony, yeah, I grew up in the church and, you know, you consider, I, I mean, I was a goody two-shoes. But I realized by listening to the pastor's message, it didn't matter how good I was. I still needed Jesus. You know, without him, I'm just as condemned as the person who's done the most sin in, that's mentioned in here. And you know, here's another thought along this line. If I've now admitted that those things that tempted me that I went after and did, if I have, have admitted uh, that they were wrong, you know, and now, and now all of us, of course, have different temptations that appeal to us specifically, and the enemy knows exactly which ones to dangle in front of each one of us. He's been watching us our whole lives. And he's got a playbook for everybody. He's no threat if you've accepted Jesus and you know your authority in that name. You don't have to worry about him. You just resist him. Submit to God, resist him, and he'll flee, as James says. But, uh, you know, if, if I have admitted that those things were wrong to God, and I've, admitted to, I've also admitted them to myself, you have to admit to yourself, too, this is wrong. And that those desires are wrong, but then you know, but if I later turn back and I start to follow those temptations again, will not God be in a position to say, You told me that you believe those things are wrong, so what are you doing? I'm in a position for him to hold me accountable. You know, because the word said that God's word will not return to him void. He's it's but it'll accomplish every all that he's a, he is um re, you know, um all that he's planned for it to do. Okay, well, Someone from the secular mindset might argue, well, wait a minute. We know that not everybody is going to be saved. Is his word not meant to bring people to salvation? Well, yes, it is. But the other side, uh, moving beyond that, if people don't receive salvation, that word now stands as a witness against them. And that's part of the purpose of his word, too, is to stand as a witness that this was wrong and you did it anyway. Can you see that? Do I have an amen on that one? Okay. You don't have to say amen if you don't agree. We'll talk about it later, but... <laughs> anyway. One of the teachers at Ramah always, always says, I wish I had a bigger amen in here. And everyone's like, says, says it all loud, you know. I think it's funny. Okay, so anyway. Uh, you know... I gotta catch up to myself here. I, I, I got ahead of myself. The third thing that Jesus said... Well, because, okay, so, you know, if, if I, I, I have to regret my past sins, and that just means saying, I know that they're no longer against me. The word says a handwriting that was written against me has been blotted out, blotted out by the blood of Jesus. But that just means now that I'm, I'm, I'm remembering that those things were wrong and I'm not going to do them again. The third thing Jesus said is, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Ah. Oh. So it's not enough just to repent. You have to live in such a way that people can recognize that you've repented. Because what does repenting mean? Change your mind about how you're living. And Here, I'm just going to close this. I'm not dismissing, I'm just closing that. because. <laughs> 
So, you know, uh, that means then that people should be able to tell by how I act that I now belong to Jesus Christ. That's, that's how I am identified as a follower of Jesus. Changing the old way of thinking requires a new thought life. And as we said in the past, what's a thought life? A thought life is not just the way I'm natu- I naturally think, but it's also how I've trained my way, how I've trained my mind to think. Those things that I have uh, taught my, my mind to go after. To na- because, you know, you, your, your thoughts naturally drift. You know, so you, you train your, th- your thinking. Um, and that change of thought life, re- that, you know, regretting past sins, and this is how regretting past sins enters into the thought life, is that requires me to confess that sin is wrong. Agree with what God says is sin. And living in a way that proves repentance requires me to do things then that God approves of. And, uh, you know, repentance, a change of the inner self, will affect everything I think, everything I say, everything I do. And that's pretty much my whole life. I had a friend in high school that was talking to me, or no, I was talking to him about accepting, you know, accepting Jesus, becoming a Christian, you know. And he was resistant. Um, you know, you can tell in your heart, you know, when people are the way, sometimes you can tell they're resistant, sometimes you know why, sometimes you don't. Um, sometimes they're not fully resistant. They're only partially resistant. Sometimes they're not resistant at all. But he was resistant. And, uh, you know, the reason was, and I knew, was because he could, he could tell that if he accepted Jesus, he was going to have to change some things about how he was living. And he said something while we were talking that clued me into how he was thinking. He, he was resistant because he had this idea, I don't need to change right now. I'll just do whatever I want right now and I'll accept Jesus later. And I know that. How do I know that? Because he didn't say that. But I know that because he asked me this question. He said, well, all you really have to do is say, I'm sorry, right? What's, be- that, what's behind that question? I, all I have to do is say, I'm sorry. So, so I mean, it, it's, it, I, can, I can just turn around and accept Jesus really quick, right? Like if I'm in a pinch, I can tell that I'm about to get in a car, car accident or whatever, and I'll just... You know, that's, that's the, the thinking behind that. You know, and I wish I knew enough at that time to tell him, no, that's not all you have to do. I didn't know enough then. According to what Jesus says here in Mark 1 that I read, this thing requires a change of everything. More than just, I'm sorry, goes beyond that. It's a complete transformation. And if people continue to think, like my friend thought, after they do receive Jesus... What will they do when things start to get difficult? Or I should say, what will be easy for them to do? What will start crying out to them when things start to get difficult? It was so much easier when you were do- the way we-, we were doing things before. Can't we just go back to the way we were doing things before? All you have to do is say you're sorry. You can come back. You can go back to what you were doing, and then if things really start to get messed up again and you need God's help, you can just say, I'm sorry. So will they, you know, will they continue after Jesus? Hopefully, when things get hard. But, you know, it's easier to go back to the old way of living. And, you know, like, uh, like we said, you know, the enemy doesn't like it when, pe- when a person becomes a Christian. We do have a spiritual enemy who will hurl things at us after we accept Christ. Why doesn't he mess with people as much who are living in sin? Because they're not a threat. 
And you know, like Brother Haken pointed out one time, God told the people of He said <laughs> He said God told the people of, of Israel to, sh- to at Jericho when they were at Jericho to shout with victory before the walls came down. He said anybody can shout after the walls come down. It takes a lot of faith to shout while the enemy's walls are still up. To follow Jesus means to continue following Him even when it's hard. Now for the last thing on Jesus' list of how to repent or change the inner self, because this is not a very long message today. It's pretty deep, I know, but I think you guys can handle it. But I didn't want to make it too long because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want you having to drag your knees across the floor to get home today. (laughs) So this last thing on Jesus' list, he said, seek God's purpose for your life. Now, most of us know what I'm about to say. But it does us good to hear these things again sometimes. God has a purpose for your life. You're not the result of some random group of cells that sprang from some pool of sludge that got struck by a bolt of lightning at some point. Who knows where that came from? The book of Psalms says, You were fearfully and wonderfully made. That God knew you before he knit you together in your mother's womb. It's a message of hope. We have a message of hope. God designed us for something. You know, the gifts and the talents that he put in you are the perfect fit for the plan he has for your life. And your, your, the plan for your life doesn't look like a plan for somebody else's life. And Jesus said to, to search it out. He said that this plan that God has for you individually is meant to be searched out by you. And there are many Christians I know that want God to lay the, the whole plan that he has out right now. Well, you know, that would crush you. <laughs> if you're going to follow his, I mean, he's got, he's got big plans. But we should ask those Christians who want that plan laid out right now, We should ask them to consider, have they changed their old way of thinking? Have they learned to regret past sins? Do they live in a way that proves repentance? There's a reason that Jesus mentioned God's plan for our lives at the the bottom of this list. After working out the first three for a while, God starts to give us the purpose for our lives in stages. Speaking from personal experience, you know. As we seek it out. You know, after I got saved, it was a full three years before God gave me anything to do. He gave me the task of being the rhythm guitar player on the worship band. And I thought, man, I've made it now. Nope. Nope. I had not attained. And I still have not. But I had to be willing to let God teach me in those first three areas before he gave me that responsibility. It's not like you get done with one and now you move on to two. There's overlap. That's the way it is in relationship. There's overlap. Seasons. But, you know, he gives... He, he, he. I had to have a teachable heart in those first three areas before he gave me anything to do. Having an unteachable heart will override God's purpose for your life. I'm going to say that again. Having an unteachable heart will override... God's purpose for our lives. 
and then when you when you get into over understanding how deep this relationship with God really is, I might find that I have an unteachable heart in one area, and I have a teachable heart in another area. So then he might, I might not be, because I have an unteachable heart in one area, that might override God's plan for my life in that area. But over in this area, I seem to be doing good. See, this is why people get confused. Okay. We're in Mark chapter 1. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 4. Starting to wind this down. So stay with me. I think what I might do. Well, no, that didn't work. Why do they make Bible pages so flimsy? End up ripping them apart. All right. So I just want to, want to uh, present a few thoughts to you before we close. I'm going to quickly read the parable of the sower that Jesus gave. So in Mark 4, look at verse 3. For those of you who want more teaching on this parable, because there's so much. I think I have one called, I think I did a sermon called, Choose the Good Soil. Choose the Good Soil, yeah. If you want more teaching on the parable of the sower. Okay, so verse 3. No, that's not right. Oh, I'm in Matthew. We ought to make an outside Bible. Hmm. Do they have it in different translations? Okay. Waterproof Bible for hiking, that would be great. Okay, here we go. Mark 3. Jesus says, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, or you could say a planter went out to plant. Verse 4. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. And now we'll read where Jesus explains what the, what the story meant down in verse 14. So look down to verse 14. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic this time. Um, he says, the sower sows the word. The ones along the path. Okay, so, so you understand that the seed that he sowed, that he planted is the word. God's word. The, the ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, 
Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message that was sown in them, or which was sown in them. And in the same way, let me make sure I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Okay. I did get ahead of myself. So we need to do some teaching on the word before we get ahead of myself. I can't hardly see this because of the because I'm outside. So uh, the word is the good news. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people, when they preach on this, they preach only that the word that's being sown is the is the uh, word of salvation. And that's not a bad teaching because sal- the salvation message is certainly included in this word that's being sown that Jesus is talking about. But that's not that's not all of God's word. Every time you hear the word. Every time you hear it sung, every time you hear it spoken, every time you speak the word out loud, when you are meditating in God's word, the word is being planted again into your heart. Okay? Um, so, verse 15. He said, The ones along the path are those who, hear the, who, have, who have the word sown in their hearts. But when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which was sown in them. And in the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves. And so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. So we see that it's possible to fall away. Now, if you, you read it over in uh, the book of Matthew, the parable of the sower, you see that the reason that Satan is able to take the word that was sown from their hearts is because people, once when they don't understand it. Okay? Those who don't understand it, Satan takes, takes it out of, their, out of their heart. And, uh, you know, so that means that then we endeavor that, to understand the word. You know, because Jesus made that clear. You know, if you don't understand it, seek the meaning out. In the book of Daniel, we find out that you can actually set your heart to understand. You can, it's a choice to do so. Now, when we're talking here about, because I got myself a little messed up, so I'm getting myself out. In verse 17, it talks about the ones who were sown on the stony soil. They have no real root in themselves. Those that, that receive Jesus, but they only stay with him for a few months or a few, a few weeks or a few years, those are the ones who fail to change their old way of thinking or regret past sins or live a life that proves repentance or seek God's purpose for their lives. They have failed the process of changing their inner self. That's what Jesus means when he says that they have no root in themselves. What, what is a root? Besides bringing nutrients to the plant, the root is an anchoring system. During times of, of heavy winds or flooding or rain, the root that is what holds that plant in the ground. Okay? So they have no determination to follow through with the changing of the inner self that Jesus talked about. And the American church, though, and see, this is where we need to understand where our shortcomings are. The American church needs to get better at teaching unbelievers about this complete transformation that Jesus taught. Not just get saved and everything will be okay. Because anybody who's been, who's been a Christian longer in a day knows that the road can get difficult real quick. Okay, now look at verse 18 with me. He says, And the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word, then the cares and anxieties of the world, and the distractions of the age, and the pleasure and the delight, and false glamour, and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in, and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. You can see how there's a lot of, of 
thought patterns tied into all that stuff, all that junk. Okay, but and I'm not. There's a, there's a whole deep teaching in this we're not going to get into. But I will say one thing. He says they those things creep in. They creep in. It's it's a slow process. It's a sneaky thing, subtle. Okay, so it's easy to to fall back into that stuff. Now verse twenty. He says, and those sown on the good, the good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept and welcome it and bear fruit. Some 30 times as much as was sown, some 60 times as much, and some even 100 times as much. And I love how he says the good soil is well-adapted soil. That means something has been done to it to prepare it. Prepare it for what? The seed. It has been adapted to the seed. It's not the other way around. The seed is not adapted to the soil, but the soil is adapted to the seed. Because if I take the time to do all the things on Jesus' list, I'm adapting myself to his teaching. Right? I'm adapting myself to the seed being sown. I'm adapting my thinking. I'm adapting what I define as sin. I'm adapting the things I do and say to what he wants me to do and say. That's how you bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times as much as has been planted. Making an effort to do what Jesus says about repentance in chapter 1 is the same as being the good soil. Jesus talks about here in chapter 4. Isn't that interesting? Now remember that statement that having an unteachable heart will override God's plans for our life. A teachable heart is one of the most important tools in the Christian spiritual tool belt because if I'm to change my old way of thinking, I'm going to have to let Jesus teach me how he thinks. I'm going to have to let him teach me. If I'm going to regret past sins, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to let him teach me what he sees as sin. I'm going to have to live a life that proves that I've repented. Then I'm going to have to learn to live like Jesus lived. And I know that I'm beating that all to death, but I've got to hear it again and again from different angles. Amen. Searching out God's purpose for my life will take me searching God's word and adapting my life to the word. Remember we talked about that before. People say, well, I just want God's next, I want the next step. I want, I want God's specific plan for my life. So far, he hasn't told me what to do. Well, he's told you a lot of general things to do in here. Are you doing them? There are things that every Christian is supposed to be doing as part of the plan. And so if I can't get past those, I mean, that's just, that's grade school. If I can't get past that, why would I expect him to give me a specific assignment for me? And we talked about that many times in the past too. All right, look what Jesus says in verse 23. Make sure I'm still on the right page and I haven't gotten... Okay, I am. He says, I'm still going to read this out of the Amplified. He says, if any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend or understand. Let him understand. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. 
What am I listening to? What am I putting my head? What am I putting in my head to think about? What's the source? Is it God? Is it TV? Is it Facebook? Not that we can't watch TV or go on Facebook, but I've I've had God tell me, "Don't watch this show. You can watch this show, but just don't watch it as much as you have been." You know. There's been certain shows he said, don't binge watch that. Yeah, God knows what binge watching is. And you know, actually the guideline he gave me for Facebook was this. He said, if you're scrolling and scrolling and you don't know what you're looking for, it's time to get off. That's what he told me. Because I found myself just like, hey, there's got to be some kind of cat video or something, you know, on here. Or some, some kind of meme or something that would be fun to do, you know, Whatever. But I don't know what I'm not, I'm not looking for anything specific. I'm just. So then, but see, you also understand that when, when I sense God tell me something like that, and if I find that what I've heard lines up with the word, because I've missed it, you know, got to line up with the word, then, uh, then I can do that. How, how teachable when I, when I come to that understanding that I feel like God told me to do this and I, and I look in the Word and say, okay, well, it doesn't go against that. It doesn't go against the Word or it lines up with the Word. How, at, that, at that moment, I have to decide how teachable am I, I going to allow my heart to be in this moment. You know, in the Gospel of, of Luke, when Jesus was a boy, it says that he was obedient to his parents and he grew in wisdom a stature with both God and man. We mentioned that last week. So then Jesus even displayed the ability to be teachable. I mean, at that time, when he was a boy. At this point, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. There's nothing more mankind can teach him. You know? He only, and we've been stressing this lately, you know, week after week. He only said what he heard the Father say. He only did what he saw the Father do. Would you say that he would have been willing to follow the Father anywhere? Was he a follower of his Father? And just the same, how willing are we to be a follower of Jesus? To what degree will we be a follower of Jesus? To live up to that word Christian. Amen. That's all I have for today. How late did I go? What time is it? Just just out of curiosity. Praise God. Alright, let's pray. Father, we ask that you give us the boldness to do what we find in the word that says that we should do. How we should live, how we should talk, how we should think. Help us to be more fully engaged with you. To be engaged in the things that you say, the way you say them, your thoughts, your plans. I thank you, Lord. I ask that you would protect everyone as they go. I ask, Lord, that if there's anybody who has needs, I ask those needs be met. I ask that you would um, protect everybody, keep them safe. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. You're dismissed.